It is Unleashed Barrier Sports Talk with me, John Lund, for Monday, December 12th, 2022. 35-7, complete domination. Brock Purdy madness goes to a new level. He takes out Brady. The defense is great, but one bad thing, Debo's hurt. How bad? Where are the Niners in the NFC? And they got a quick turnaround Thursday in Seattle, and they can win the division. Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. Unleashed, various Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. It is Monday, December 12th. We got everything. We got you covered for the 49ers 35-7 win over Tom and the Buccaneers. Move over, Tom. I got some numbers for you that should impress you. We'll get into that. You can see it if you're watching on the YouTube channel in the first graphic. 35-7, Purdy Madness, Brady versus rookies. How far can they grow? And I was in the uh, – I went to uh, Tom's – Tom Brady's a post-game press conference because I've been to the Niners many, many times, and I thought, how many times are you going to go uh, hear from Brady? And he was a bit pissy, but that's what he is. He's a competitive guy. Uh, the second uh, slot you see there, uh, non-party talk, just how good is this defense? Christian McCaffrey was absolutely great. The NFC Seattle Thursday with Seattle's loss to Carolina, the 49ers can actually turn around and win the division. Uh, this early if they can win in Seattle. And Seattle has struggled against the Raiders and the Panthers the last two weeks. Injuries, Debo, some people hit me up on Twitter saying, should they call OBJ? We'll get into that, a few other injuries as well. But 35-7. to And for all intents and purposes, when I did the halftime show on the 49ers Network on Sunday, and it was 28-zip, to zip, these were the numbers. Uh, Brock Purdy was 14-18 of 18 for 185, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a sparkling 146.5 rating, and he threw for zero yards in the second half. I told you how dominant. At the half, Christian McCaffrey had 105 uh, rush yards. Uh, uh, the team had 105 rush yards. McCaffrey had 13 for 81. Debo, 4 for 21. We'll get into Debo. Brandon Ayuk had 2 for 57, both on the final drive of the first half, including after an interception was called back by the Bucks. And this the Bucks look like early season 49ers. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Uh, he had an interception called back, did Brock Purdy. Didn't see a buzz linebacker underneath. The ball got intercepted. They called Carlton Davis for defensive holding. And on the very next play, Brock Purdy hit Brandon Ayuk for a touchdown pass, and the game was over at 28-0. Brady at the half, 9 of 18, 78 yards. That's a 61.8 rating. He ended up throwing the ball 55 times. One of the most overrated stats in all of football is how many yards a guy throws for when people say he leads the league in passing. Passing yards is a stupid statistic. Uh, Jameis Winston for a couple of years led the NFL in passing yards. It just means your team's behind a lot. And Brady said in the post game that I don't want to be throwing the ball 55 times a game. You want balance in your offense. At halftime, 28 nothing league yards were 290 to 112. 49ers yards per play was 7.8 to 4.3. Uh, they had for, uh, the 49ers had 19 first downs to Tampa's five. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I went and did the halftime show and I thought, well, this game's over. Came out in the second half, more dominance. Even though Brady didn't get sacked in this game, he's a master at getting rid of the football. He's a master at actually grounding the football and not getting called for it because he's Tom Brady. So that's why he doesn't get sacked so much, but it doesn't really lead to anything. And uh, that's kind of what happened. But anyway, the 49ers get a 35-7 to victory. So Brock Purdy madness. Let, uh, I'll let you hear from uh, Brock Purdy after the game. And this is kind of funny because – you know, as a as pick 262, some of the discussion was, you know, Brady was 199, Purdy was 
262. So there was some, I don't know, comparison going on. And there's no comparison. We're all joking. And I'm using the terms Brock Brady and all these different things. And we're just having a little bit of fun with it. But Tom Brady Sr. joined our show on KNBR on Friday, which you can hear 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Leader, 680 in San Francisco and uh, KNBR.com. And tomorrow we'll have a ton of stuff on. Joe Staley will be on tomorrow, Dante Whitner. So we got the offense, we got the defense covered. So make sure you tuned in, tune in at uh, KNBR or KNBR 680, whatever you want to do, KNBR.com, all those things. But Tom Brady Sr. joined our show on Friday and said he was really excited because he knew the Purdy family was coming in and he remembered those first kind of uh, games that Tom played. Not a lot was expected of him, and then he turned into Tom Brady. And so he talked about how exciting it was going to be for the family, and here's Brock Purdy, and he's holding nothing back. said it was pretty cool to talk to Tom Brady after he had beaten him, and then I'll give you some stats on how infrequent it is to beat Tom Brady as a rookie. Man, yeah, it was surreal just standing there like, man, that's Tom Brady, you know, talking to guys and, and dapping guys up and stuff. Um, so to him to just to have respect for what I did today was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, being a little kid, watching that guy kill it throughout all these years, won Super Bowls, and then to be able to just even, you know, give him a high five or whatever at the end, I thought it was pretty cool. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, Brady's first loss to a rookie quarterback since 2013. You know who he lost to? Five, four, three, two. Geno Smith. Geno Smith, who, ironically enough, is the next opponent for Brock Purdy. And if he can beat Geno Smith and the Seahawks, the 49ers will win the division. And we'll take a look at the NFC in just a few minutes. Uh, Brady had won 12 straight versus rookies, 23 and 6 career versus rookies. Uh, Brock Purdy for the game, remember I told you 185 all in the first half on 14 to 18. So he only threw two, he only threw three passes, completed two. In the second half, stayed at those 185 yards, had a touchdown as well, rushing first rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl era. Impress your friends with this. First rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl era with a 125-plus rating and two touchdown passes and a rushing TD in his first career start. There's a lot of things in there. Uh, 49ers, and this is what's so impressive about Brock Purdy and what he's done so far. 49ers quarterbacks, other than Jimmy Garoppolo, are now just 10-29 and under Kyle Shanahan. 10 and 29 uh, starting with Brock Purdy. And he just seems different. Uh, he doesn't seem phased by it all. Uh, on the goal line play, go back and watch that just for the heck of it. If you're bored, go back and watch that because everybody's covered. Tampa did a really great job of covering everybody up in that play. And pretty quickly, Brock Purdy saw it and got into the end zone. So, look, people are asking me, let me get to my my second point. I've gone to Purdy Madness. I've gone to Brock versus Rookies. And then I've gotten a bunch of tweets at John Lund Radio. Hit me up. Or on YouTube in the comments section, I'll use the best ones on the uh, podcast. And remember, you can get us on the podcast where you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, anywhere you get them, Apple, Spotify, all those places. Or you can, of course, be watching me right now on the uh, YouTube channel. But uh, everyone's asking me. Everyone's hit me up on Twitter, at John Lund Radio. And again, you can put the comments section here on the on the. Uh, YouTube channel, about how far I think the 49ers can go with Brock Purdy. And here's how I would answer it after this game. Uh, You're more impressed the times that you see him. Talking to a lot of people, and I'm sure you've heard this in training camp, whether it be my co-host, Greg Popon, KMBR, Tim Ryan, who I talked to quite a bit about the 49ers, or just anybody who was around in training camp. They loved what Brock Purdy did, but I saw Samuel Womack uh, there who's now a really good special teams player, but he was inserted as the uh, nickel corner early in the season. We, in 
he's not that now. We see that guys in the preseason all the time, preseason stars, and Marcus Rush comes to mind. Go back and look at Marcus Rush. He had like seven quarterback sacks five or six years ago in preseason. Everyone's like, oh, this guy's going to be awesome. Yeah, never played for the 49ers in regular season games. So what you see in training camp and what you see in preseason isn't always what you're going to see from a guy in the regular season. So, you know, as many good things as I heard about Brock Purdy, I was like, well, let's just see. And through two, through one start and two home games, in which he played the majority of the time, first game he went 25-37, and 37, this one in the second half threw the ball three times, and they were well in control of this ball game. You can see the things that he does well. He gets rid of the ball quickly. He scans quickly. He gets through reads quickly. He's confident without being cocky. He controls. The guys are saying he controls the huddle. He does a lot of the things right. He threw 1,467 passes at Iowa State. Trey Lance threw 319 at North Dakota State. So there's a huge difference in the amount of time that he's played. And, in fact, if you just took away the draft labels – from Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, you might think that one was a first, the other the one that was a Mr. Irrelevant at pick two sixty two was the third overall pick, and Trey Lance was Mr. Irrelevant. And a lot of it has to just do with one guy has all the uh, measurables in Trey Lance, everything out of central casting that you would want out of a quarterback, strong arm, athletic, big, et cetera, et cetera, but just hasn't played enough to know the game and the intricacies of it, intricacies of it. And Brock Purdy doesn't have any of those things, and yet understands the game, has played enough, and if you could mold the two, you'd have, you know, a superstar quarterback. Now, Brock Purdy, let's go back to the question. People are asking, well, do you think Brock Purdy, or how far do you think Brock Purdy can take the 49ers? First of all, let's not shortchange the defense and the special teams and the the guys stepping it up offensively and just everything that's been around Brock Purdy because I know from talking to guys around the team that everybody feels a sense of, hey, we really like Brock Purdy and think he can be really good for this team. So everybody has wanted to step up in the absence of Jimmy Garoppolo and to get down to the third quarterback. Everybody, without trying to do too much, is definitely saying we've got to do our part. So everybody has been focused early in the season. That always hasn't been the case. I told you a second ago that the Buccaneers today or yet, uh, Sunday reminded me of the 49ers early in the season. Uh, Mike Evans had a 68-yard touchdown reception. Donovan Smith, their left tackle, was holding. Uh, they had an interception on a Brock Purdy pass, a play before he hit Brandon Ayuk for the touchdown in the corner. There was a defensive holding that eliminated that. Uh, there was the first play of the game. Keanu Neal, the safety for the Buccaneers, came off a, a blitz off the corner, roughing the uh, quarterback call was the first play of the game. The 49ers went down, used that as momentum, and scored a touchdown on that. So just mistake, 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 turnovers, mistakes, ineffectiveness. The Buccaneers aren't a very good football team. They're decent defensively. They're not good. They're not cohesive. I don't know why offensively. Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, you can just see it in the body language. They're just not on the same page. But that was the 49ers early in the season. So that was the kind of struggling or struggles that the, that the Buccaneers are having that the 49ers weren't. So how far can they take them? Ask me. I've said that five times. Ask me next week when they play in Seattle. And it's not because I think Seattle is a great team necessarily. Uh, over their last four games, they're giving up over 220 yards on the ground, so it's not going to be really difficult to figure out what the 49ers are going to do. And by the way, as we continue to talk about young players and give credit to John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, and whomever else picked out some of these players that seems like year after year after year, late in the rounds, they do so well on. Uh, J.P. Mason is a north-south runner who obviously was underrated, didn't get drafted, and Chris McCaffrey is the story today. McCaffrey 
broke a big one in the second half, and the game was already over. But every time it looked like – McCaffrey looks like he's gliding, and then he makes a cut, and it feels like every time he touches the ball, he can take it the distance. He went backside to score in the second half, the only points that the 49ers needed. But J.P. Mason north-south, is he's a north-south runner, and he's going to have a role on this team, and especially now without Debo. And, and again, in the third segment here, if you're watching on the YouTube channel where it says injuries, I'll get into Debo and the injuries a little bit later on in the podcast and what the out uh, what the forecast is for him. But J.P. Mason and Christian McCaffrey and whatever else they want to do, Brandon Ayuk can run some jet sweeps if they want to do that while Debo's out as well. They will have plenty to run the football against Seattle, which is going to be the game plan to potentially win the NFC West. So how far can they go? He can win in Seattle, although that's been a really difficult place to play. Uh, for the 49ers, he can definitely beat the Washington Commanders, who defensively are good, offensively are very challenged. Uh, he can clearly go to Vegas and beat the Raiders, who uh, last week had just a devastating loss to the Rams. Uh, late in the game, they've blown four 17-plus point leads this year, have the Raiders, so even if the Niners fell behind, uh, and I'll be at that game. So uh, that's that's one that he can definitely win, and I'm clearly the Cardinals who are a mess this year. He can He can win all four games, the remainder of the way, and the 49ers can be a 13-4 and football team, I believe. Uh, the rest of the way, they can win all these games. The big question to me is, can he go on the road? So Vegas will be a bit of a challenge, although my sense is, and I haven't been to the Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas yet, so I'm looking forward to going to that stadium. It's one of the few I haven't been to. Seattle, we all know about. That's going to be a loud stadium. It's a big game for them. It's a desperate game for them. If Brock Purdy handles himself on the road in that atmosphere in the way that he's handled the home games, then he will have passed about every test. Now, not every test, because when it gets amped up a little bit more in the playoffs, and in fact, let's go to the NFC. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip down to defense how good I put up McCaffrey. I talked about him, the NFC, and talking about Seattle. I'm going to skip down on the YouTube channel to the uh, NFC, and I'll put that card up. And you can see right there, Eagles, after their victory over the Giants, emphatically 12-1, and one. and I've said all year long that I don't necessarily fear the Eagles or believe in the Eagles. They're clearly the best team in the NFC, and I think the 49ers and the Eagles are playing the best football. They're at Chicago, at Dallas, New Orleans, and the Giants. I don't know that they lose another game. Vikings are 10-3. and three. They're leaking oil. They uh, lost to the Lions on Sunday. Indy, the Giants at Green Bay, at Chicago. That's not a very difficult schedule, and the Giants are leaking oil. Then you get the 49ers at 9-4, and four, and I think... And again, the 49ers can always stub their toe, as every team can in the NFL. Any team can beat any other team, any given Sunday kind of stuff, and that's not just a cliche. But at Seattle, Washington, at Vegas, and Arizona, Brock Purdy, if you don't make mistakes and play the way you have and have the composure that you have and make the throws that you have, I think they're going to go 4-0, and that's 13-4. and Puts a ton of pressure on the Vikings. You'd love to get that two seed. Bucks are 6-7, and seven, but by their virtue of how bad that division is, They'll probably win the NFC South. Cowboys at 10-3, and three, they don't have a daunting schedule. At Jacksonville, probably, I don't know, they, they might beat Philly. At Tennessee, Washington, you can see on the board there. Commanders, 7-5-1. and one. Giants at 49ers, Cleveland, Dallas, they've got a tough schedule. And uh, the Giants are 7-5-1 and one as well. At Washington, at Mini, in Indy, and Philadelphia. The thing you care about there is, I don't think that you're going to catch the Eagles, you're three. You're not going to catch the Eagles. You're nine and four. They're twelve and one, and they have an easy schedule. The Vikings at ten and three, and the Forty Nine ers at nine and four. And let me go over that schedule again, 
And again, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you can see this. For the Vikings at 10-3, and three, Indy, that's a win. Giants, I think that's a win because that's a home game. And the Giants just aren't very good. And I didn't think they were good early in the season when they were winning games. Uh, at Green Bay, is Aaron Rodgers going to be playing at that point or do they shut him down? And then at Chicago, and Chicago's not very good, and I don't know what they'd be playing for at that point. Maybe Justin Fields has a crazy game. So Vikings could go 3-1, and one, so that puts them at 13-4. and four. And the Niners, like I said, 13-4. and four. I, I haven't looked at the tiebreakers, so that's really the one that you want to look at. And then to just go back to Brock Purdy, then it becomes, okay, what is he going to do come playoff time? Because right now the 6-3 matchup for the, for the 49ers would be commanders again. Well, that's a winning game. Now you're starting getting difficult. Can you beat the Vikings on the road with Brock Purdy? I think you can. I think Brock Purdy could get the 49ers all the way to the NFC Championship game. Then I think the Eagles are going to be very difficult to beat. I mean, just being honest. Just being honest. And by the way, speaking of Brock Purdy, I sent this tweet out earlier. Just kidding, as I got mostly positive responses, but some people are like, are you crazy? I said the Brady 6, how about the Purdy 8? Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ryder, Malik Willis, Matt uh, Corral, or Corral from uh, Ole Miss, Bailey Zappi, who is uh, kind of popular in a minute in, for a minute in New England. Sam Howell, I remember him at North Carolina. Chris Oladokun, I don't know who that is. Steelers took him. And uh, Skylar Thompson, who we saw throw an interception in one appearance against the 49ers. That's the Purdy 8. Just letting you know, the Purdy 8. So there you go. Uh, defense, how good? Uh, that was, you know, that's a question. Are, are they historically good? And this is no knock on how good this defense is. Historically good is Steelers of the 70s, Bears of the 80s, the Lawrence Taylor-led Harry Carson Giants, uh, the Ravens of Ray Lewis in 2000 that won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer as their quarterback, Nuff said. Are the 49ers that, this version of the 49ers that? We had Justin Smith in studio for the pregame on Sunday, along with Ray McDonald and and. and Dante came by. He was on TV, but Dante came by because we were right next to him in the in the radio studio. That was a really good defense. Now, is that defense as good as that one? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the only thing missing on a consistent basis, and it's not because Brady didn't go down once today. I told you already in the podcast, it was just he was getting rid of the football well or grounding it. That I would like a rusher opposite Bosa. I mean, that's really the only thing. If I'm being extra picky, that's really the only thing that I would be wanting this defense to be or have more pass rushers. But many who at times can be that. Uh, they've got a couple of guys when they run the NASCAR package. Great move, by the way, by D'Amico Ryans. He brought, and I haven't seen this a lot this year, he put Nick Bosa at defensive tackle. And one of the times, in fact, the closest time Brady went to going down, he got rid of a football out in the flat, and it looked like his left knee may have touched before he got rid of it. And that was Bosa coming straight from a defensive tackle position against a guard. And I would love to see more of that from uh, Nick Bosa. Let me give you a little Tom Brady just because in the I, I went over to the uh, Buck side of things. Uh, before postgame, I always go into the press conference. I listen to the guys. I listen to Kyle Shanahan and make some notes. And then I go bring them on to the postgame. But I thought, how many times are you going to get a chance to hear from Tom Brady? And he was none too happy in the uh, postgame for the – uh, Buccaneers, you can tell in just sitting in the press conference watching him, not just what he says, but the tone in which he says it, he hates losing. And I know a lot of people hate losing, and I know a lot of pro athletes hate losing, but it's like he, he, it, he's just seething in the postgame. Here's a little bit of uh, Tom Brady after the 49ers beat 
the Bucks 35-7 at Levi Stadium in what was a homecoming for Tom Brady. So late thrust into the starting role. He played really well. You know, he threw a lot of good balls, hung in there in the blitz, and uh, they did a good job. They did a really good job. Good job running it. Good job throwing it. They played really well. Tom, both have to decide whether you're a good team or you can't be an up-and-down team. What has to happen for you guys to decide that in the next four games? I think everyone's just got to, you know, it's easy to say. You know, just gotta, everyone's got to play better, but, you know, we're just not playing. We just have not played consistently well very often. We haven't played it for four quarters. We've played it a little bit uh, at times, uh, not today at all. But some games where we play well for five minutes and don't play well for 55 minutes. You know, some games we played pretty well for a half. You know, we just have not played consistently well for, for a game. He had a lot of people in the stands here to support you today. Yeah. Um, and I know you're, you're keen on not making this about you, but just um, does it make it sting a little bit more, the fact that, that this was a homecoming for you? Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I love having everyone here and nice for my family to, you know, come cl close. And, you know, I think they, uh, a lot of people from the neighborhood came and, you know, I mean, no one's, that's not going to change the outcome of the game, unfortunately, um, you know, because you got a cheering section. It was sweet to have everyone come and support and support our team. And they come back to the East Coast in Tampa and support us. And uh, they came out here, which was great. I wish we could have done, obviously, a lot better job. But So that was Tom Brady uh, after the game. And you can hear the frustration in his voice talking about the inconsistency of the team. There's two things that I want to address that he said there. And, I, again, I was at, I was at the press conference uh, sitting front center because I wanted to hear what he had to say. The frustration part – I wouldn't want to see the Buccaneers again in the playoffs, and they know they look a mess, and I know this game was 35-7, to but we know how games can flip because it's Brady. And I, But I look at Mike Evans and, and the type of talent that they have offensively with Chris Godwin. Kate Otten's not a bad tight end. they got a couple of decent running backs. The offensive line is a complete mess. Uh, Tristan Wirfs didn't play. Donovan Smith is a terrible left tackle. Uh, they have problems inside. They lost their center, Ryan Jensen. So I don't think by the playoffs they will get this thing turned around. But if you just look at the pure talent defensively on this team, the type of guys that they have on this team, Vita Vea was out early in this game, number 50. He's their guy that's their run stopper, so he was out early. Uh, they have injuries defensively. Both of their safeties, including... Uh, Winfield we're missing. He's a really nice safety, so that makes a difference with this team. Does it make 28 points different? No, but every game is different. Uh, Mike Evans, if there's not a holding call on that, the game's 7-7, seven, seven, and he was asked about that, and it made me things are completely different. Look, I'm not downplaying the 49ers. I'm just saying that a team with Tom Brady with the type of talent that Tampa has uh, could upset you in the playoffs, and I wouldn't want to see him again. Uh, he talked about his homecoming. I talked to his dad, like I said, on Friday. And, look, it was interesting if you saw it, and I'll flash it up on the screen here. Uh, there's a picture of Tom Brady, and he's he's um, taking it all in. And I've never seen Brady do that. He's walking into the stadium, and he was taking pictures of some of the 49ers kind of Super Bowl stuff and everything. And he grew up in the Bay Area, and his dad told us how they used to go to Candlestick Park. And uh, Tom, you know, he really loved the 49ers, and he's on record as saying once they didn't take me six times over, though, I was really angry. But you could tell he was kind of soaking it in. And maybe he's going to play next year. Maybe he's not. Maybe Brock Purdy makes it, you know, the whole conversation irrelevant because if he leads them deep into the playoffs or to a Super Bowl or certainly a Super Bowl win, he's, he's going to be the quarterback. And it doesn't matter Trey Lance and it doesn't matter Jimmy Garoppolo. He, he'll probably be the quarterback. But there has been a lot of speculation that Tom Brady in 2023 could be the quarterback here. It would make a lot of sense. 
You know, Brock Purdy could learn under him. Trey Lance could learn under him. Jimmy Garoppolo's a free agent, and you can't franchise tag him. And certainly, give me your thoughts at John Lund Radio and hit me up on the comments if you're on the YouTube channel. Certainly, Brady didn't play real, didn't play terribly, I wouldn't think. Now, his numbers weren't great, but he was under constant pressure. And like I said, just because a guy doesn't get sacked, it just means Brady can get rid of the ball very quickly. And I don't even mean that from a standpoint of, you know, one, two, three, hit the back foot and throw. He's just expert as the rush is coming to throw it out somewhere so that it's not a grounding call. But he threw, I don't know, eight to ten balls that had no chance of being completed today just because he had to get rid of the football. So that was uh, part of what he was talking about, the homecoming. Let me throw one more at you, and it just shows the frustration that he had in this game, and then he's asked a question about the 49ers defense, which I want to get into some more in just a second. You know, look, that's with NFL. You play a really tough game. You play a tough team on the road. They're physical. They're tough. They kicked our ass. It's the reality of this sport, and every time you take the field, you have the opportunity to get your ass kicked or to kick ass. And obviously, we're on the wrong end of it today. But you got to put the work in, and you got to, you know, dig deep and keep fighting. What's it like going against those 49ers pass rush and the pressure they had on you today? They were good. They got a good rush. They got great players. They got a good rush. They got great linebackers. Got a good scheme. Um, I can see why they're the number one defense. We obviously, uh, you know, we didn't do a good enough job in any area of our offensive to uh, score enough points and. Um, I'll go out this week and try to do a lot better job than I did today. All right, so again, it reminds you of 2019 with that defensive line. And and like I said, when I said they weren't historic like some of those other defenses, look, they have plenty of time to prove me wrong. I think they'll get after Geno Smith. The Seahawks have two rookie tackles who have played really, really well. Cross is is one of them on the left side out of Mississippi State. He's a top 10 pick. Abe Lucas is another one. You watch him, 72 on the right side from Washington State. He's a third-round pick. They've been good. They've been solid, but they're no match for this uh, defensive line. They've been okay on the interior, so I expect the 49ers to, A, stop the run of Seattle's and make Geno Smith beat them. And in week two, Geno Smith looked horrible. Uh, and Geno Smith against Carolina didn't look well, look good. So maybe people are starting to figure out kind of the Cinderella season of Geno Smith, but that's a conversation for Thursday in Seattle with the quick turnaround. Last thing that I want to talk about, because there was tons of discussion about this, and let me flash this on the screen first. This is Jerry Rice. Please stop running our skill players up the middle at Trey Lance, at Jimmy Polo 10, and now at 19 Problems, which, of course, is Debo Samuel. Look, Jerry Rice knows a hell of a lot more about football than I do, but you can't not run guys up the middle. And in terms of Trey Lance, I understand that. You want to try to – I said when he got injured, you want to control the way that a, that a quarterback – gets hit, which is get out of bounds, get down, get you know, get to the outside, not between the big monster trucks in the middle. But in talking more about it with Kyle Shanahan and hearing people around it, that was always the plan with Trey Lance until he could develop enough confidence to throw the football. And you see Brock Purdy, because he threw it a lot more at Iowa State, that he's playing a more traditional way. Um, because Trey Lance had the athletic ability and hadn't developed the passing side of it yet, that's what they were going to do, and that was their best opportunity to win, so I was okay with it. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't running up the middle. He was getting sacked. Now, I've talked to Dennis Brown, who I work with on the pregame and the postgame for the 49ers, and I've done it enough to know that there is a way to stay healthy and a way not to stay healthy, and sometimes Jimmy, who's been injured a lot as 49ers quarterback, which is one of the reasons why they drafted Trey Lance, but you've got to know when to get down, and he tried to get an extra yard or two to get Robbie Gold a shorter field goal, but if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you just have to go down. So if you're going to blame somebody, and there's not really a blame to be had, 
Jimmy Garoppolo is just trying to play hard. Um, it's just when you're in, especially when you get injured as much, he is just go down and live to fight another day. I'm not blaming Jimmy for it, but Dennis tells me all the time there are ways to keep yourself healthy. And then as far as Debo Samuel's concerned, he, he cut a he cut a run inside. He can't just always go outside. So Jerry knows a lot more about football than I do. But you can't just play on the edges. It's not the way the NFL works. A lot of times you got to play physical bully ball. That's what the 49ers do. Debo Samuels had a ton of inside runs where he didn't get hurt, and he punished the defense, and to the point where they just went no moss, like it's no more for us. That's what Debo does. He's a physical runner, so he could get hurt on the outside being physical. He could get hurt on the inside being physical. So in this case, with all complete due respect to Jerry Rice, I don't think it's realistic to not run their skill players up the middle. Give me your thoughts at John Lund Radio and the comments section of the YouTube channel. And finally, people asking me on Twitter after the game about OBJ because Debo Samuel is hurt. They're saying four to six weeks for Debo, which would probably line up with four games remaining and a quick one on Thursday. You're looking at uh, possibly wild card weekend probably a divisional playoff. So let's say, again, as I showed you before in the clip of who they would play, they'd play Washington in the first round. With or without Debo, they can win that football game, and now you're in the divisional, possibly playing, I don't know, a Minnesota, something like that, and you get Debo back for that game. That would be advantageous. At some point, though, Kevin Givens went down today. Dante Johnson went down today. We were all excited for a couple of weeks there where there weren't a lot of uh, injuries but now they're coming back, and this is just the latest one as far as Debo Samuel is concerned. It's a big one. I'm not going to lie, but that's why he went out and got Christian McCaffrey. That's why Brandon Ayuk has stepped up the way he has. I think J.P. Mason is going to surprise more and more people. He's more of a, He's not Debo, but he's a north-south runner. So when we're talking about some of the run game and some of the physicality, he finishes runs very well. Some of the physicality that Debo delivers, J.P. Mason can do some of those things. Are you going to fully replace him? No. Do you need to go out and get OBJ? I just don't think so. Uh, the Cowboys, and I, I've got some friends with the Cowboys, so I called them and asked them about him after the game. They said that the that Jerry Jones wanted to sign Debo, or excuse me, wanted to sign OBJ, but he just physically wasn't ready to play. So what you're trying to do right now is you would if if OBJ was healthy, they might have a conversation because they need him now. They need a player to come in potentially now to replace Debo Samuel in the short term, and OBJ is not ready to do that. So it doesn't make sense. So for all the people who hit me up at John Lund Radio, thank you. Uh, but it doesn't seem to make sense from, a, from the timeline of OBJ being healthy to bring him in for Debo Samuel. He doesn't do the same things Debo Samuel does. He would be more of, a, obviously, a receiving threat. He wouldn't run a lot of the running things. That's where I think J.P. Mason comes in. So that's the latest as far as uh, OBJ is concerned. Anything else I missed? I think I hit everything. 35-7, Purdy talk, injuries. I think that is it. We will do a, a upon further review on Tuesday on the 49ers game. Plus, there's some Giants news that is going on right now. They're still looking after Carlos Rodon. They did sign Sean Manaya. Some Warriors news over the weekend. They beat the Celtics. So we'll get into all those things as the week progresses on everything Thank you for listening. As I always tell you, make sure that you hit it up not only on the YouTube channel if you're watching there, but we've got the podcast going on as well, and that you can get at any of your locations that you get your favorite podcast. Thank you for making Unleashed Barry Sports Talk your first stop, Barry Sports Talk, Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday, we drop them both on the YouTube channel and 
on the podcast. My day job, KMBR Radio in San Francisco. We'll talk a ton about this game on Monday, so make sure you tune in. We'll have Joe Staley in the 10 o'clock hour, Dante Whitner in the noon hour to talk about the offense and the defense. And I do that with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. So we'll have you covered on that front as well. Anything else I missed? I think we're good. That is Unleashed, various sports talk for Monday, December 12th. 2022. Hit me up at John Lund Radio and the comment section. I guess that's the only thing. And it's all only on the Locked On Podcast Network.